everybody. It's a brand new year and a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story, from celebrities to car personalities to just people who bring their cars to car shows and cruise nights. I'm Randy Cardoon. Are you listening to us on iTunes right now? Well, if you are, don't forget to subscribe to our iTunes page. It's absolutely free. You'll be notified when a brand new podcast is uploaded. And if you like what we're doing, take a moment to rate us. There's a place to do that here on iTunes. Give us a review. You can like us on SoundCloud and on our social media accounts. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and again, check us out on YouTube for the videos. This week, Chip Foose, the automotive stylist behind the long-running TV show Overhauling and creator of some of the coolest cars in the custom car market. Plus, he's quite an artist. You've seen the show. He does those renderings of every car he designs. Wouldn't that make a great art gallery show someday? All right, so let's set it up. Use your mind's eye here. Here's Chip and I. We're sitting in a two-seat Cobra at Crevier Classic Cars in Costa Mesa, California. So we're just going to sit here. We're not going to listen to this radio that's better than any stereo no, that's possibly have. That's when we get a bigger budget. <laughs> <laughs> that's when we get a bigger budget. They'll actually give us the keys to this thing. See, we have no keys on this one. Actually, now that I'm looking for it, I don't see a place to put key. Oh, right here. Never mind. There it is. Have you ever done a Cobra? You know, I haven't. I've uh -huh. never done a Cobra. I have redesigned the Cobra, mm -hmm. done a couple things. One that I did, I, I actually called it the Strike, and nobody's ever seen it. I actually did it. It was going to be a die-cast car, and uh, the die-cast company, remember we had that lead paint thing back in oh, like, right. 2006 or five, Like Tootsie Toy or something like yeah, that? Yeah, and that was, I was with another uh, die-cast company, and they switched and dropped all their, all their custom fun car stuff. And, oh, uh, man. Yeah, so we, we never did it. Are they still building cars? Do they still exist? They build the John Deere tractors oh. that you can buy the collectible. Okay. And they still do Thomas the Train, but they got rid of all the other lines. And where are they today? They Just think of where they would have been <laughs> if they would have stuck with it like it is. This is, this is really nice. No, I mean, If you did something to something like this, how long would it take, like you look at a car like this and you go through the process, how long would it take for you to come up with a concept of what you would do to something like this? I could have a concept tomorrow. You know, I'd just go and spend all night just playing around and uh, coming up with different ideas. And it might be that I'm, I'm going to show you, if, if you hired me tomorrow, I might give you four or five different sketches, possibilities. You might look at it and say, well, I like the rear of this, I like the front of that, but I like this side view. And then I'll do another sketch that combines all of those elements. Or we might just brainstorm some other ideas until we find out, you know, exactly what we're going to do at my shop. You know, get the drawings done, then start talking about this is what we're going to do to build this car. Wow. You know, you grew up, obviously, in a family that did a lot of car work. Your dad is a, a noted customizer, a guy who knows how to work with cars. Uh, is that really where your love of cars came from? You know, it's interesting. I feel like my career is an extension of my father's. And my earliest memories are when he was working with Gene Winfield mm -hmm. at AMT. And what I loved is, you know, I would go to the shop with my dad on the weekends. I'd see him building these cars. And then later he would bring back the AMT plastic model kit of mm -hmm. the same cars that he had built. Oh, then wow. I was able to build them at home. And then also Hot Wheels had die cast versions of the cars that they were building there. So yeah. I had die cast cars in my pocket and I was building the plastic model kits. So now I'm building the cars at my shop. And we've got Ravel building plastic model kits of the cars that we're building. And I've got M2 building die-cast cars. Do you ever figure what you'd be doing if you weren't doing something with cars? 
I mean, would you be like wow. an, uh, an attorney? Would you be a real estate guy? What, what <laughs> other career would Chip Foose be doing if he wasn't working with cars? You know, I love designing cars. I also enjoy fabricating them. Uh, but I think racing cars would have been a lot of fun. That's still in the automotive world. That's still world. cars, yeah. Uh, if I wasn't doing that, I probably would have gotten into maybe architecture. It's still design. Sure. I think it would have been design no matter what I was doing. Yeah, especially because on the show, we've all seen you on overhauling, doing, doing all the pictures and all that that you do in overhauling. When you do those, that obviously isn't something you just did for the show. You've been doing this for a long time, drawing. Yeah, actually, my father was quite a talented artist. And when I was three years old, I would sit next to my dad and I would copy whatever it was that he was drawing. When he finished, he would leave it on the table and I would draw it over and over because my goal was to be as good as my dad. And when I was seven years old, my father was working with another designer named Alex Trembulus. Now, Alex designed the Tucker. He worked for Auburn, Duesenberg, Cord. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was also the head of the Thunderbird studio for Ford. And when he retired, he moved out to Ventura. He would come up to Santa Barbara where my dad's shop was. And when I saw his artwork, I knew then that that's what I wanted to do. He told me about Art Center College of Design. So since the age of seven, I knew that that's where I wanted to go. And that is where I went. Number one, you want to be as good as your dad was at something. And when it gets to the point you got beyond where your dad was and then you're, you establish yourself in this business, that's fantastic. Well, he's still my hero. And I would say of all the fabricators I've ever met, my father had so much talent. You know, uh, he's, like I say, he's my hero. When well, you were... I'm, I'm still trying to make him happy. <laughs> <laughs> when you were growing up, and you were talking about all those model cars and all that stuff, do you remember the, the, the most, the favorite model that you had that he kept bringing home? A favorite? Because there were so well, many. Well, I know that he had hand-built a balsa wood flat bottom boat that was beautiful, all custom painted and all the inside, the balsa wood, he had resined all that so it was mm. gorgeous. And he had made a little brass eye hook on the front of the boat and it was sitting on the mantle of the fireplace and we had a pool. Oh wow. Now I was three years old. Uh oh. I, I grabbed that boat, going. I tied a string around it <laughs> and I was running around the pool dragging this boat around <laughs> as it was beaten up on against the, all the tile and the, and the uh, concrete. And when he got home, I know he was devastated because I had destroyed this boat. Uh. You know, he hadn't resined all the way up in the front and the water had gotten in the boat because a couple of times it sank and, you know, I had the string, so I'd pull it back up. But <laughs> I, I absolutely destroyed this model that he built. Wow. And I think that was his favorite. Uh. My favorite would have been whatever he was bringing home because I got, you know, and one time I accidentally stumbled onto a box that he was keeping separated in the closet and he had all the different cars that he had worked on at, a, at uh, AMT oh, wow. and I found that box and I assembled all of those cars that day and when he got home and saw them all you know I wasn't doing a beautiful job I was just mm. gluing them together and making a mess and windows had my thumbprints all over them but hey I was building them. And how old were you then? I was three and four years old. Oh wow. Yeah. No. Three was... or four years old and playing with glue. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yep. I made a mess. That's a that's a lethal combination. I'll tell you that right now. Wow. Because I, I remember the same thing. I, mm -hmm. I was building the cars, and and the toughest part about it is not as much as getting the glue on the cars, but getting them all over your hands, and you're peeling mm -hmm. that stuff off forever <laughs> in a day. Yep. Oh, that's incredible. What? Let's go back to your first car. When you first had a car that you had a chance to work on, or at least your first car. What was that? 
Well, my personal first car was my 56 Ford F100 that uh, my father actually worked with the producer of Overhaul and Bud Brutzman. They stole it from my shop and stole the drawings that I had done because I was going to build it myself. And Bud had hired my father to work with a team in a separate location, and they overhauled me in 2005 or 2000. Yeah, I think it was 2005. So you kept your original truck? I still have it, yeah. Oh, it's, wow. It's sitting in the showroom at the shop now. Is it's, it true, though, in a sense that so many people, and you, you've you been in this business, and you've seen the collectors, you go to the auctions, you, you've fixed so many people's cars, celebrity cars, just regular people's cars. Do you find that so many people have their first car? No, they want it back, though. And why is that, do you think? Well, you know, I, I go back to... It's interesting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm 53 years old now, and as a kid, my first mode of transportation was my bicycle, and I rode my bike everywhere. And, you know, that's where you're the captain of your destination. You get to go, and you're going right when you want to go right, left when you want to go left, and you don't have a parent with you. And so I couldn't wait to be 16 and get a car, and kids today don't do that. Mm -hmm. But that's your memory of, you know, this is your freedom as a kid. And you get to bring your friends with you and go and, you know, this is, you're the captain of, of your desire and go and do what you want to do. And, you know, it's interesting to me today that kids aren't that way. They want to sit in the back of the car on their smartphone and play games and just, hey, mom, take me here. You know, it's a natural for an autonomous car because it's not about the driving experience for them. And the people that learn to drive and, you know, like, like yourself, me, you know, that's, a memory and something that we want to hang on to. Do you still have that memory of the first time you got behind the wheel, you drove <laughs> off, you didn't have mom or dad sitting in the passenger seat because you know, you, whether you had the learner's permit or you finally got your license. What was the moment that you remember behind the wheel, nobody sitting in the next seat, and you were driving on your own for the first time. Do you remember the car? Do you remember the circumstance? Well, you know what's interesting is I, my father was next to me. The, the first memory of driving for me, I was 12 years old. And I used to ride with my dad in his 56 pickup, same one that I have today. And I used to air shift next to him. So I'd watch his feet and you know, I had a three on the tree and I'd watch how he was shifting, the different pedals, you know, when he was braking, clutching and throttling. So at 12 years old, it was a Friday afternoon we had finished the cars that were in the shop. They were all sitting out in front of the office, ready to go. And my dad said, come on, you're gonna drive. And we got in the 56 pickup, and he let me drive all around. We were on the airport property with the shop. Oh, okay. I drove all around the airport property, never missed a shift, no problems. We came back and we were turning into the shop. I was gonna park in front of the office. And he had told me where to park, and it was next to a Rolls Royce that was sitting there. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so I'm pulling in and I'm, trying to turn right and now I'm slowing down and I'm, I'm moving real slow. I've got my foot on the brake because I'm stopping at the same time I'm turning and this truck didn't have power steering, had big wide tires underneath the front and you know, we had heated the springs to lower it and I was using my body weight to try and turn the truck, stepping on the, on the brake pedal, pulling so my foot slipped off the brake, I hit the throttle, lit up the rear tires, went sideways and went straight into the front of the rolls push the rolls into a Porsche. Ooh! It was, that was my first driving experience <laughs> at the age of 12. <laughs> so when you ask me what, what the first memory is, that's it. Uh -huh. And you know, I still have that Rolls-Royce grill to this day hanging in the shop, and it's my, my reminder of how things are great, and it can go bad in an instant. Wow. <laughs> but I remember wow. when I was 16, 
the day I got my, my driver's license was also the winter formal. And I picked up my girlfriend and we went to the dance. What, what did you drive to the prom? That 56 pickup. Oh, okay. And the date was okay with the 56 pickup? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Well, it was a show truck. Oh, My okay. dad had okay. bought it and we had redone it and it was in uh, Hot Rod Magazine and Baskerville's Gallery in 1976. I had bought it in 1980, so it was still beautiful. You know? In that case, it would be perfectly <laughs> fine. The girls would like that. That's absolutely true. What's in your garage right now? Wow. Uh, at home, I've got a 47 Ford convertible that is, uh, it's got a dropped axle and a, you know, reverse springs in the, reversed eyes in the springs in the back. So it's dropped down a little bit, but it has painted wheels and white walls and okay. uh, it's got a 55 Chevy small block in it. So it's a, like a late fifties mild custom. Mm -hmm. And then I have a 2002 Thunderbird that I built for the pilot episode of rides called the Speedbird. Oh, okay. That's sitting in the garage right now. In the showroom at the shop is my 56 pickup and a 1969 330 Ferrari GTC. Wow. What does the wife drive? She has a 54 Corvette that I have got at the shop. She's got a 2007 S550 Mercedes and a 2015 GL550, the SUV Mercedes. Wow, that's great. That's, I mean, obviously, she shares your love of cars. Uh, she does like the cars, but not to the extent that I do. Uh -huh. <laughs> You've had so many cars. I always like to ask because everybody has a different answer. The cars that you used to have that you don't have anymore, what would be the one car that you would like back? Well, I just sold a 2006 Ford GT. That was a great car. And a 69 Camaro that I had that was beautiful. But I've uh, been doing some trading because my goal is a Duesenberg. Now, what would you do with it? Well, when you bought a Duesenberg originally, you bought a chassis. You know, it might, might have had fenders, had a grill, had a hood, had a cowl, had a seat bolted to the chassis. You had an IP steering wheel. And then you had a designer design a body and a coach builder build it. I would like to get a Duesenberg. Whatever body's on it now, pull that off design my own and build it as if it were back in the 30s. Wow. Now, would you design it with that sensibility in mind? Yes. Or would you try and modern it up a little bit? No, I would like to do it as if it were done back in the 30s. Wow. But I would... want it to be my own design. Which, as we all know, would be a Foos design. It's simply unique and something that just would be fantastic. That sounds wild. Have you already gotten it all in paper? I've got about three different designs that I've done that I would love to build. I don't know which one it would end up being. It'd probably be something completely different. You know, if, if I ever do get the Duesenberg, uh, you know, then I'll, I'll end up drawing it completely in quarter scale and then I'll start sketching different bodies on that. Wow. The sketches that I have now are nothing to scale. They're just, when I get an idea, I start sketching and playing around with it. So I've got a drawer just full of different ideas. Is that then the number one car on the chip foos? I want to get that list one of these days. In other words, we all have it. We all have the car, like the top 10. I want this, 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 and this. I've never had this. I want this. What's number one or number two on your list? That's it, the Duesenberg right now. We've got, right now we've got about 26 cars. And I'm always getting rid of one and bringing something else in. I've got containers full of body parts and pieces. And, you know, I've been lately letting a few things go and like like I just got that Ferrari and that's what I call a stepping stone mm -hmm. because my goal is to sell that get the money so I can end up buying a uh, Duesenberg or trading 
We have, uh, before we started this, we brought this on social media and we said we're going to have you on the show. So some people would throw in questions. We got a question from um, a Lynn Stone uh, who said um, on Facebook, so talked about your instincts. And, and we've seen this many times when you do the show. You look at a car, you get the backstory, at least you do on overhauling, and then you come up with this incredible design. Where does that come from? Does it come from a lot of your training, or really is most of it a gut feel? Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of both. You know, I grew up with my father building cars, and one thing that I learned from my father is, you know, we, we never wanted to alter something so much that it didn't look like a factory, you know, job. Mm -hmm. I didn't, we didn't want to build something with big giant flares and when people look at it, they go, wow, why'd they put those flares on that? You know, it was alterations that were subtle enough that they were enhancing the car, not just changing it. And I also learned that with Mark Sterenberger. He's another designer. I worked with Mark for six years and we did illustrations for magazines. And everything we did, it was what if the factory was doing a you know next year change mm -hmm. and the other thing is uh you know going to art center you learn about design and how things work together but i always wanted to be tasteful in the aftermarket industry if you build something that's just really wild and super trendy you know somebody's spending money to build that car and if it's very trendy three or four years down the road then you're wanting to change it and update it because it's not the latest trend. Now it looks old. Right. But if you do good design that's simple and elegant, 20 years from now, it's still beautiful. And that's what I try to do. I get the ideas from the insider on overall. I get the ideas from my customers. The hardest person for me to please is myself because it's not somebody telling me, oh, they like this color. It's, you know, now it's just, what do I want to do? And then I have you know, it's like a rapid fire of ideas going through my head of, mm -hmm. well, do I want this, this, this? But when somebody else is telling me what they really like, it's real easy for me to put it on paper. And, uh, you know, I don't question it. You know, Tesla is the big thing because they have electric vehicles and EVs are the big thing. Obviously mm -hmm. not retro like we all like. But I remember talking to George Barris once and he was talking about how he was working on a hot rod EV. Any thought that you've ever had to doing something with an EV vehicle and trying to make it so it would fit in, let's say, uh, I mean, could you ever see taking the EV guts and putting it in a 57 Chevy sure, why not? or I mean, something like that? The uh, Tesla is a phenomenal vehicle. I'd love to take all of the, that whole drivetrain and put it into something else, but I haven't had that customer come through the door yet. I, I saw your uh, Twitter post and, and you have, you're doing something with a couple of Mustangs. Where yes. if I, uh, tell me about that, the one where you're taking an old school and you're putting it on a new school. Well, it's a 71 Mustang Mach 1 that belongs to a gentleman out of Japan. And he had in 19, or in 2011, bought a brand new Mustang GT that he wanted to put the 71 on. And he had been thinking about it, but wasn't sure what he was going to do. And finally, he ended up shipping both cars over here. We got them last year. We got started on it about uh, four months ago. And this 2011 GT only had 26 miles on it. It's a brand new Mustang. Oh my. And it's got the, uh, you know, the um, Coyote motor. Right. And 
we're putting the 71 on it. Now I cut the cross member that bolts into the chassis for the front suspension and I reworked that and moved the wheels five inches forward. The difference in the wheelbase was only two inches. Uh, when you put the rear wheels in right where they needed to be, mm -hmm. the firewall was in the exact same place on both cars. Really? But the front wheels were two inches back. I needed to move them two inches forward, but I went ahead and moved them another three inches forward because if you look at a 71 Mustang, to me, it has such a long front overhang. Mm -hmm. I pulled those forward. I'm cutting about an inch off of the front of the car, and then we'll do custom bumpers and a lot of modifications to the body. I'm actually going to run 70 rear quarters on it. So off of the top, it has a little flat because the 71 is such a flat rear quarter. I want to bring those out and actually make it a muscle car and have some fun with it. But when it's done, it's all brand new, modern chassis, modern drivetrain. Get in, turn the key, and drive it and enjoy it. You have to see it. You have to go on uh, Chip's social sites and, and uh, Twitter especially, and he has some pictures of it, and you just look at it and you go, wow. And, and I'm sure in the pictures you'll post later when you can actually recognize it, you're just going to, it's going to be amazing <laughs> to look at something well, like that. Well, thank you. We're going to talk a little bit about a big show that's coming up uh, at the LA Convention Center, the uh, classic auto show. We do something on this uh, program that we call the Big Time Five five questions trivia for you and today of course since you on overhauling have worked with so many great people you know you, you I, I've been blessed yeah you, you've had some great people there and so we're gonna do what we call co-host trivia <laughs> yes okay here we go co-host trivia so questions about people that Chip has worked with so we're going to start off with our buddy Chris Jacobs. He's been on our show a couple of times. And, and of course, you may remember Chris last time we, we talked with him inside the uh, Smokey and the Bandit uh, Trans Am. We were singing, well, we didn't dance, but we probably could have at that point. Uh, so here we go. Which show, because this guy is everywhere. Chris oh, is. is everywhere, mm -hmm. you know. So which show has Chris Jacobs never been in? Here we go. Barrett Jackson, Entertainment Tonight, Long Lost Family, or Nightline? Nightline. Nightline. Very good. <laughs> Can you imagine? But Chris could probably pull off he Nightline. He could pull off Nightline. He could, yes. he could totally pull off. He has the talent. He could do that. Prior to joining Overhauling, Courtney Hansen was hosting a show on the Travel Channel with a well-known sports star. What was the sport? Was it soccer, bocce, golf, or highlight? Well, that's an interesting one. I, I'm going to say highlight. Very good guess, but it was golf. Golf. She okay. was doing golf on the Travel Channel. Um, I want to say it was with Jack Nicholas, maybe? I, 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 did, I didn't, I didn't write it know down. that. Yeah, she was doing a show on golf. All right, here we go. In the movie, National Lampoon's Cattle Call. Adrian, AJ, Yannick? I've never seen that movie. Well, let's see Cattle how Cattle Call? Cattle Call. Okay. National Lampoon. Mm -hmm. I've never seen with the movie AJ. either, but we're okay. going to go for a while. But AJ was in it. Here we go. <laughs> she played the role of, and I'm sure she's talked this over with you many times, auditioner number blank. Was she auditioner number one, auditioner number five, auditioner number 42, or auditioner number 3.1415? And I don't want to give you any, uh, any suggestions or guesses what it might be. I'm guessing five. Did you say five? <laughs> Chip Foose, you're absolutely right, ladies and gentlemen. Chip Foose, ladies and gentlemen. How about that? Was, that? that was That great. was actually before you gave me the uh, the nose rub. Oh, well, I, I had an itch. I was going to say five also. Oh, did you? Okay, mm -hmm. well, good. All right, there's Jesse Combs. On October 9th, 2003, did something that put her in the record books. Jesse has been on our show as well. What? 2000 what? 2003. 
Okay. What record does she hold, or what does she hold the world record in? Number of traffic tickets on a French street in one day, because she was driving so much and parked wrong, owns the women's land speed record, earliest to ever graduate from Wyotech, or blew the biggest bubblegum bubble ever. I think she does hold the women's land speed record. You're correct. Very good, Chip Foose. Very good, Chip Foose. So he's three for four. Very good. And then there's Ariane, Celeste. Before overhauling, she appeared on what show? Now listen closely because this may be difficult, all right? I'm just warning you. U.S. News and World Report, Film Strip, or Wall Street Journal Weekly? I'm going to say Film Strip. Did you say Film Strip? Yes. Chip Foose, you are absolutely correct. You've got four out of five. Very good. Congratulations. Awesome. Very good. So you know, for the most part, you know your co-hosts. Very good. You must feel good about that. You, you well, research you. them. Research <laughs> them beforehand. No, I didn't do research. We just uh, talked a few times, and I know their personalities. Mm -hmm. Well, that's important because obviously you have to work with a group of people and overhauling and all that. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about the show coming up uh, January 27th to the 29th at the L.A. Convention Center. And this is kind of unique because you don't see a lot of these happening where you get no. so many people short of SEMA. You don't get a lot of people showing up at events like this. And uh, the folks there gave us the top 10 reasons to check out the Classic Auto Show. And one of them is obviously the fact Velocity is bringing a lot of people there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of my friends. Talk about that, some mm -hmm. of the guys that are gonna be there. Yeah, we got Chris Jacobs coming. We got uh, Dave Kendig from mm -hmm. Bitchin' Rides. And uh, we've got uh, Wayne Carini. And also Mike Brewer from uh, Wheeler Dealer. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean, we're all gonna be there. and we're, Looking forward to seeing some really cool cars because, from what I understand, there's gonna ha they're going to have a phenomenal collection there. Yeah, it's interesting because not only are they going to have a lot of cars from around, they're going to have the local car clubs here in Los Angeles bring their members' cars there. And that, that's just going to be off the wall, too. And one of the number one collectors in the country, Bruce Meyer, is going to be the Grand Marshal there. Mm -hmm. So he's bringing some of his cool cars there as well. He's involved with the Peterson Museum, and he's, yes. got, some, he's got a great car collection. Now, he has a Duesenberg as well. Oh, does he? I don't think he's going to give it up to me. Oh, come on. <laughs> but, he, but he knows people. He would be really upset if I pulled that his body off. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows people. See, yes, Bruce can get you. How hard is it to find a Duesenberg? Uh, not that difficult, but it's very difficult to get the money to get it. Ah, yes, because those aren't cheap. Not at yes. all. Not at all. So also some of the things that are going on, not only the car clubs, um, they talk about how they have innovative products. There's things going to, they're going to have a swap meet. Yes. That's yeah, so be. some of your hard to find parts will be there mm -hmm. and uh, some cars and pieces. A lot of knowledge will be there. You're going to be doing some how-tos and demos. You guys will have a chance to talk to people. I think VIP tickets are available. You guys will get Q&As with uh, some of the folks like Chip. Yeah, I don't know all of the details. I just know mm. we're going to have a great time. That's going to be great. They have a People's Choice Award. You can vote for the, mo yeah. the car you like. I will have a car there. You should show up just to see my <laughs> car and then tell Chip, you got to be kidding me. This guy brought a car. Uh, and you know what's what, interesting? What car are you bringing? I'm bringing a 1964 Dodge Polara. Uh, it's got a 444 barrel in it. It's uh, resto mod more than anything, and, mm -hmm. it is, and the interior is immaculate. That's going to cool. be really fun. Well, I believe I'm bringing a 39 Cadillac that we're just finishing at the shop now. Oh, wow. It was originally a four-door sedan. We've turned it into a two-door with a liftoff. It looks like a convertible top, but it actually lifts off. And, uh, you know, when you walk up on this car, 
It's a complete concept body. All the moldings are handmade, everything. We've got three and a half years in the car. You would think that you're walking up on a restored 39 Cadillac, but underneath, it's all brand new 2015 Corvette drivetrain and running gear. Okay, so you're gonna show up at the show and you're gonna look at my car and then you look at Chip's car and figure, you know, I like Chip's car, but that Randy guy's car, I don't know, just I'm gonna give it a little bit of bonus. Maybe I like that just a little bit better, but you're gonna judge for yourself? People's choice. People's choice, that's what it is. Family friendly, and that's the thing. You could bring your kids, you could bring your, your sons, daughters. And, and talk about the fact that we are in a society right now where teaching and, and giving our love of cars to the kids, if you will, is very important. I think so. You know, they're, their next, they're the next generation in this industry. And, you know, it's passion that drives us. Because I've said it before, I feel lucky and blessed that I get to make a living doing something 100% unnecessary. You know, the world <laughs> doesn't need another hot rod. Uh -huh. But the greatest thing about it is that it's 100% passion-driven that our customers are willing to pay us mm -hmm. to build their dream. Yeah, and it's so true. You guys got to come down and see it. You go to, uh, I believe it's uh, classicautoshow.com or in that. Just, just search for it online and you'll find information. You can get tickets. And again, it's January 27th through the 29th at the LA Convention Center. That's going to be pretty cool. $25 if you buy online, 30 if you go at the door. Uh, I think it's uh, if you're 3 to 12 years old, it's $10. Uh, online, $12 if you get to the door. And if you're under two, you're free. Ooh. So if you're under two years old, just tell your mom and dad, I'll be back later. I got a free entrance into the car shop. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be great. And before we let you go, Chip, and you, thank you so much for joining us here and talking about cars. You know, We, of course, have talked about overhauling and the fact that the show, great run, it's, it's over now, so uh, you won't have any new shows. But what's in the mix? I mean, are you working on something else? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Bud Bretzman, who's the, the original producer of uh, Overhauling and also Rides, he and I are actually getting together next week and we're going to create a contract to develop a new show. We both want to develop it and co-own it. And once we have a new show, we'll figure out where we're going to air it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not sure if it's going to be on Velocity yet or not, but uh, I'm just looking forward to doing something else that's uh, you know, full of the passion for the automobile because, you know, Originally, when we started it, had no idea if we were going to do one show or do 100 shows. We ended up doing about 130. We filmed for eight and a half years. I absolutely loved doing the show. Uh, you know, what I really enjoyed doing was showing professionals coming together, doing something special for somebody that was deserving because they've done so much, you know, great things for their community or their family. And all of them were submissions where they told us why they deserve to be overhauled. We read those, we look for great stories, and we look for good cars. Mm -hmm. And you know what it always reminded me of was being at a friend's garage on Sunday night with all your buddies, and you're trying to get his car running so he can make it to school tomorrow. It was just a good time. It was, and it was a good time for you to do it and a good time for us to watch it because we'd look at it and just go, wow, this is, this is almost <laughs> like we could do something like that. But we never did because we were smart enough not to do it because you were the professionals. But it was always fun to sit there and watch the whole process. Well, thank you very much. That was really neat. So, again, don't forget the show, uh, January 27th to 29th. Don't forget uh, to check out all our other Talking About Cars podcasts. We're on iTunes for audio only. And, of course, we're on Facebook. And we're also on YouTube for the videos. And there's some really good ones out there. So, again, join us. Thanks again for joining us here on Talking About Cars with Randy Cardoon and with Chip Foose. We'll see you next time. Go ahead and start this thing. Oh, yeah. That'll be. <laughs> well, where's the key again? 
Hey, everybody, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to us yet on iTunes, do it now. You'll be alerted when a new podcast is uploaded. And give us a review. It's good for you, and it's good for us as we climb the rankings of iTunes Automotive Podcasts. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.